The following podcast is a Dear Media production. What's up, well-beings? I'm Kelly Noonan-Gorris, and this is The Heal Podcast. Every Thursday, I interview the leading experts in health and healing, as well as real people with extraordinary healing stories. Whether you want to heal a physical diagnosis, a mental health issue, a past trauma, or heal our planet, The Heal Podcast is for you. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answers you've been searching for. You can follow us on Instagram at at HealDocumentary and at Kelly Gores and catch episode clips on Heal Documentary's YouTube channel. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday anywhere podcasts are found. Let some things be retrograde. All right. Yes. Hi. Hi. Um, okay. So right now I'm sitting in my house, which is so exciting. It's so weird to look at someone in the eye. And I know. I felt so uncomfortable. I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally like, we were just having a casual conversation. And then all of a sudden you turn on a microphone and it gets like really serious. <laughs> also, like the first thing like this is not over Zoom in like a year. For me, yeah. at least. Yeah. Again, of an in-person podcast. But it's so much better. So much better. Like once I, we get the eye contact, I know we're gonna be okay. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me introduce you. Okay, so we're sit. I'm sitting here in my home with my good friend and uh, former neighbor, Carson Meyer. Still kind of a neighbor. You are still my neighbor, but we literally lived. We shared a mailbox before. Yes. And now we have to share walk. a street. Now we yeah. just share a street name. That's right. So Carson is a birth doula and also the founder of the most incredible. Body scrub, candle. What other products do you guys have? Right now, it's just a body scrub and candles. Okay. But we have an oil launching. Okay. In the fall. It's called See in the Moon. And it's, I literally won't light the candle because it's, <laughs> it just smells so good unlit in the bathroom. And I never don't want to have it. So it's just in my bathroom oh. making it smell like creme brulee and vanilla. Yeah, like burnt vanilla. Guys, if you're looking for a body scrub, I'm honestly not here to hawk her product. That's not why she's here. We're going to talk about birthing and motherhood and things like that. But I literally am obsessed with this shit. So where can we get it online? Yes. So seeinthemoon.com. The candles are only sold on my site. But the scrub you can get from Violet Gray on my website. Mm -hmm. Goop sells it. So it's truly everything. I would like to eat it even though I probably shouldn't. You shouldn't. But the fragrance is food grade okay. in the body scrub, which was a decision I made to make sure it was up to my clean beauty standards, but don't eat it. <laughs> but in the case of an apocalypse, I could swallow some sea scrub my mom, as like a probiotic. Yeah. Moment. I mean, if, if it was the last thing left on your shelf, I'd eat it. Actually, my mom's friend has a two-year-old who she found ate the whole jar. Oh, and she's so delicious. Yeah, it's sugar. The girl never had sugar before. And so she started eating the brown sugar scrub. And so I say we don't test on animals, but it's been tested on children <laughs> and totally fine. <laughs> That's hilarious. And she was fine. Did she just have like an upset Yeah, stomach? yeah. Kids eat, you know, kids eat weird stuff, but like, this is the don't most recommend it. Delicious <laughs> pot of candy I've ever tasted in my entire life. Wow. Okay. So you're here to talk about being a doula because I was living next to you for uh, almost a year and I would see you coming and going all hours of the day and night from births and I was always kind of like but what is she doing yeah there's this culture of doulas and midwives this is a kind of a newer I mean I've I've always heard the term midwife but like over the last maybe like five or so years I felt like doula has been something that I've learned about and I'm just very interested to talk about what that is because from my perspective I just thought like you're pregnant, you go to the hospital, you pop the baby out, maybe they cut you open and voila. Like I yeah. had, I never thought about it. Me neither before I became a doula. Right. <laughs> so what made you even want to go into that? Yeah, I mean, I think to what you're saying, I, I felt, I, I think most women feel very similar that um, I would say you you go to sex ed in high school if you're lucky enough to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, they scare the shit out of you. Can I, can I say shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this okay, is yeah. a explicitly <laughs> yeah, rated fuck. But yeah, so you like you go to the hospital and I, I think of that scene in Mean Girls where it says don't have sex or you get pregnant and die. Remember yeah. that like sex ed scene? Like I feel like that's what we get and yeah. great. Like, you know, condoms, all that stuff. Awesome when you're 16. And then they send you out into the world and you live your life. And then there's never like an undue sex ed fear class. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of just taught to be very fearful. And then, of course, like the Hollywood depiction of birth, which is 
um, you know, a masked man or maybe group of masked men standing over you, your legs flailing in the air, blood's flying and you're screaming. And I think that's what we think of childbirth. And I so love the shot. Yeah. Or just like, get it out. You Give know, me the drugs. Totally. And there's a time and place for that in labor, of course. Yeah. But, you know, I think we we have this very myopic view of the process and then we're taught to be really afraid of it Mm -hmm. um, from a young age. And so for me, I was one of those people. I was like, mothers are, women are crazy. Mothers like how, what, why? Like this is just something I I never want to do. And um, my sisters had kids at the time. And, you know, I just never really thought to ask. Like I showed up after they gave birth and you just kind of like, it's like, don't ask about it. Don't, you know, it's kind of this best kept secret, like what it's about. And um, I saw the business of being born when I, I just was, watched. Yes, I'm so excited to talk about it with you. Yeah. And I was I was in college. I was already studying, you know, like complementary medicine and women's health and art therapy and Eastern practices. And so I was it's funny, like looking back, I kind of majored in doula and having no idea what a doula was. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the the themes of it were were always uh things I was interested in. But I saw the business of being born and I just remember, I mean, I probably was right before my period, but I just cried and cried and cried for days. I was Mm. so emotional. I couldn't believe it. I was like angry that I was like, when was I going to learn about this? Like who was going to tell me? Because I love my mom so much. I mean, we had a hard hard time even just talking about the birds and the bees stuff. Like she certainly wasn't going to talk to me about this. And I know that from knowing my birth story, she had a really difficult time and she wasn't supported in the way that I think she could have been or should have been. And there was, even though she talks about it so fondly, it was a traumatic experience for her. So mm-hmm. she wasn't going to be passed down like mother to daughter. And I was like, well, she didn't have the information. She didn't either. Exactly. Getting. Yeah. And so I was like, what, what's going on here? And I, so I was really upset. I have always felt passionately about health and our healthcare system or lack therefore of, of a you know, our sick care system. And mm-hmm. I, the documentary really revealed more of that. And then the other half of me was just crying out of tears of just like, this is so beautiful. Oh my yeah. God. I couldn't believe it. And to watch women be in their power and to depict this process come the completely opposite portrayal than the, that Hollywood birth I described. So yeah. I was really taken aback by that. I called my sisters who had had kids at the, you know, had already had I think two kids each at the time. And I was just like, you did this? You you guys did this? Yeah. And they were like, yeah. Like, are you okay? And, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was so emotional. And they're like, we, do we need to fly out? Like, is something else going on? Like, I don't think it's normal to be like crying like this about a Ricky Lake documentary. <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah. And I'm like, no, no. I like something. It shifted something. And it was yeah. so big. And then from then on, like, I wanted to stop every mom on the street and just be like, you're amazing. And I just <laughs> I worship you. Yeah. I was just like, what? <laughs> like, who I? How, tell me. And then I moved back to L.A. and I actually was met a midwife at a birthday party. And it was the first person that wasn't my own like gynecologist mm-hmm. who I'd ever met in um, this field. And I was just like, what a gift. You get to do this. And I was I stalked her and we're dear friends now. And but we'd always joke that I was like every time she would see me around after that, she kind of had to like hide because I would be like, tell me more. Um, but anyway, I took my birth doula training after running into her and seeing that you can have a work from it. So, okay. What's the difference between a doula and a midwife? Yeah. So good question. They're very different. A midwife is different than a doula and that a doula is really there to provide emotional, physical support in a non-clinical or non-medical capacity. So my job is not to monitor the baby's heart rate or to take the mom's blood pressure or to work throughout the pregnancy in terms of, uh, you know, assessing the risk of a pregnancy or any of those things that you um, get from a midwife or an OB if you are in a hospital setting or working with with an OB. That's another question I have while we're here because I was watching the documentary and if you guys haven't seen it, it's The Business of Being Born. It's a Ricky Lake documentary that she made, I think, in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. But then I was wondering like, wait, OBGYN, I, again, the assumption is those are the people that deliver babies, but that's not true. What is their actual training? They're surgeons? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say nobody, the only person that delivers a baby is the mom, right? Like, and that's like how I also like to reframe it is like we have this culture that's like the doctor delivers and the midwife delivers and you're like, it's not 
pizza. It's not like an Amazon Prime thing. Right. Like <laughs> right. that mom is pushing that baby out, you right. know, or like delivering that baby into the world. But yeah, I, OBs are what makes them different from a midwife is that they're trained surgeons. So okay. um, OBs are very skilled in high risk situation and they're where you want to be who you'd want to be working with in a high risk birth situation midwives are trained birth support companions you know they're they're highly trained and medical is not a word I I love to use because I don't think of it as medical but they are there to safeguard the process right and to assure that that mom is having a healthy and safe pregnancy and birth and a lot of them are pre-trained as nurses some, yeah. So yeah. you can be a certified nurse midwife and go to nursing school or there's direct entry midwife, midwifery where you just go to midwifery school. But then when we go to see the gynecologist, that's an OBGYN. A lot. Do both. Yes. Got it. Okay. So then the midwife is the one who's there who can actually assess what's happening in the moment with the birth. Yeah. They're, they're providing, they're, they're the ones doing those clinical tasks, providing that, you know, medical support. Mm-hmm. Um, they are trained birth doulas are trained as well, but they're trained professionals who are really there to take the place of an OB in a home birth setting or in a hospital. A lot of hospitals have midwifery programs, which is awesome. Right. But their approach is a little bit more hands off Mm -hmm. than the obstetric model and kind of operates from a a low risk assumption that the less less is more. Mm -hmm. So meaning that like you said, it's the woman's job to deliver the child yeah. and the people around them are just there to make sure that everything goes smoothly. Yeah. And right. to support as as needed. But go ahead. Okay. So I'm just wondering why, and I'm sure you have a lot to say about this, we live in this, uh, quote, medical paradigm that has given us this notion that the way that we see births like on movies and TV is the correct way. Because I recall I, when I was 16, my mom's friend was really worried that I was going to become a teenage mother for some reason because she must have thought I was like really slutty even though I wasn't. Um, I did have my tongue pierced, but I didn't have sex. So <laughs> it was confusing. You know what happens when you're done? Yeah. Yeah. My mom cried and called me a slut. That's a different story. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she made me watch the video Birth in the Squatting Position. And so that was the first time that yeah. I was… Yeah put on to like, wait, there's another way to do this. And it makes so much sense because it's like, to me, like, that's like using a squatty potty. Like your body wants, it's gravitational. It, it's like, yeah. obviously that's the directional flow of the way yeah. that things should work. Why have, why have we found ourselves in the position where that's not what's happening? Yeah. And when we look at a lot of like ancient art and even in the right. squatting position, you know, there was a time when everyone gave birth at home in around the the turn of the century in the early 1900s when hospitals were becoming established in cities and that was a kind of a a boom that was happening and birth moved to the hospital Mm -hmm. at that time i think it was i don't know that i'm not gonna even screw up the numbers but there was a huge shift from home to hospital Mm -hmm. and it actually started to the narrative was that if you give birth at home, that's what, you know, it wasn't sophisticated. Right. They talk about that in the movie, how it's like they were basically portraying midwives as these like rogue yes. gypsy characters yeah. who were dangerous yeah. and gross, basically. Yeah. And it, there's actually a long history of racism in birth, too. Because the propaganda machine. The granny midwives who were the ones that caught babies, you know, during the time of slavery when... Mm-hmm. Uh, black women didn't have the support that they needed. And so that wisdom had to be passed down right. generation to generation. Yeah. So it, it goes on and on. And anyway, that that we could have a whole podcast on that as well. But mm-hmm. and even like the witches, right? They were midwives. So we can go way back, I think, in different type times in history where we see this kind of like suppressing of that wisdom. Um, but mm. really, when when birth moved into the hospital, of course, there was so many adv- advancements and, and there still are so many advancements and, and benefits, I guess to say, of um, hospital birth. But we also, uh, we lost a lot of, of wisdom too, I think. And mm-hmm. we know that in our culture, which is we have one of the, the most money put into obstetrics in the world and one of the highest hospital birth rates and lowest midwifery rates in the world. And we have some of the worst outcomes, Mm -hmm. right? So it's, we're seeing that the technology and the 
kind of like over medicalization of birth is not equating to better birth outcomes. And right. I think that's really important to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of talked a little bit about what midwives do, but as a doula, um, I work as a kind of a support person throughout pregnancy, even sometimes through fertility journeys and then into. I feel like the word is advocate. A total, totally advocate. I think in the in the prep work, we're really, I'm, I'm an educator too. Like mm-hmm. I, how I like to work with my clients is giving them all of the information as early as possible, having them spend that time really learning about their choices, finding out what resonates best for them, um, learning about risks and benefits, and then taking that time and that information and that intuition that a, a mother has, I think is at their strongest in pregnancy. And then finding out how, you know, that that's then what I do is come in and say like, how can I be your best advocate? What right. do you need from your birth? Whether we're at a hospital, whether it's a planned cesarean, whether it's a home birth, like it doesn't matter, right? How can I support that? And so, you know, a big part of what I do is in the prep, but then at the actual birth, that's when the advocacy comes in. So I'm doing everything from, you know, a massage and helping to bring, you know, in a hospital setting the home birth vibes into the room and and coaching in that sense and holding space for the couple. But then I'm also in the hospital making sure that voices are being heard, needs mm-hmm. are being met and that their informed consent is also being practiced, which that's the scariest yeah. thing to me. And I feel like this is something that happens on every level in that specific medical paradigm of let's call it Western medicine. I, I hate to like make one versus the other, yeah. but in this case, unfortunately, when you get into like the, that really sterile setting, it's really difficult to have your voice heard as a patient. Yeah. And I can imagine, like I've had that experience with things. So I can imagine when you're going through this extremely vulnerable, scary thing, someone in a position of, quote, power tells you that what you want isn't correct or the best thing to do. I can imagine that being a really hard experience. It's also incredibly disempowering. And I think we're setting up women to start motherhood, which is arguably the, the, the most, the greatest transition of your life and probably the most difficult thing anybody ever does. Mm-hmm. And we're telling them, you don't know what's best for you. Right. I know what's best. And you take away your power, their power. And that, I think that sets you up for a, an even more difficult time of a, of a journey where there are no answers, mm-hmm. right? You are always having to make decisions. You are the one that knows best about your child, no matter what. Mm -hmm. There's no expert that can tell you how to parent. Right. And I think to kind of, yeah, I think, I think we, we start that right at birth and there's long-term effects to what happens, I think, in the birth space. All right, guys, let us take a break and talk about a partner that we love so much. It's Sakara. Yes, we are such fans of Whitney and Danielle, such fans of them and their brand. Guys, if you don't know, Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. They have been incredibly forward thinking when it comes to the space of meal delivery. They were one of the first to do it and do it well. They have this ever-changing, incredible menu of creative chef-crafted, ready-to-eat breakfasts, lunch, and dinners. They change them weekly so you will never get bored and they will deliver them anywhere fresh to your door in the US. They are such delicious meals and they're so inspired and inspiring. You know, if you get a week of Saqqara and you're done, you feel so good. You change the way that you eat and you change the way that you cook and the way that you think about foods in your kitchen. It's so cool. You realize what you can do with these different ingredients um, and how you can mix it up. If you're wondering, hey, is now the time for me to do Saqqara? Maybe now is the time because you're hearing this ad. They also, along with their delicious plant-rich meals, have their wellness boutique that offers their daily wellness essentials like supplementation, herbal teas, and then they also have their best-selling metabolism super powder, which I've heard amazing things about. It's made with organic raw cacao, which is truly my favorite superfood. It works to boost energy, eliminate bloating, minimize sugar cravings, and reduce fatigue. I'm also obsessed with their snack crackers. I eat them by the pound. They're so delicious. It's dangerous. And I know Elizabeth is a big fan of the chlorophyll drops, and they're just like the best company ever. So 
Check out Sakara if you haven't already. I'm sure if you're listening to the show, you have. Go to sakara.com slash retrograde. You can use the code retrograde20 at checkout and you will get 20% off your first order. That's amazing. Sakara.com slash retrograde and you will get 20% off your first order of your Sakara meal delivery or your purchases in their wellness boutique. Okay, now let's move on to another partner. We did an episode with them. We're just so excited that now they're a partner of the show. Mederma, guys. It's this incredible product that works to reduce the appearance of scars. It's just amazing that there's something that actually works for that. Mederma is the number one doctor and pharmacist recommended scar brand. It's crazy because they did this survey and they found out that more than half of Americans would skip events altogether instead of going through the hassle of dealing with skin issues and insecurities. There's no reason why a scar should prevent you from living your life. If you want to reduce the appearance, lessen the redness, that's the brilliance of Mederma when you have the redness around the scar. And this stuff really works to reduce inflammation and make the appearance of the scar way, way less. And then you can feel good about going about your life. And they are revealing new ways in which Perceived physical skin imperfections like acne scars, surgical scars, and stretch marks can affect mental health, self-confidence, and anxiety. That's so sad. We all should feel free to live our lives, imperfections and all. We know that our lives go deeper than what we see on the surface. And that's why Moderma scar products contain a unique triple action formula. I love triple action formulas. Give it to me. This formula doesn't just sit on the surface. It penetrates beneath the skin and seals in moisture and renews the cells to aid the formation of collagen and visibly reduces the appearance of scars. Everyone who's ever had a scar knows that Moderma works. If you had a scar and you've not heard of Moderma, please head on over to Moderma.com. You can check out their wide variety of scar products, including one that has sunscreen in it, which if you have anything on your face, this is like a perfect double whammy. And you can read about the You Are More Than Your Scar campaign and check out their trusted products. Like I said, so head over to Moderma.com. Start living your truth, scars and all. Okay, so if you you have a client, do they come to you with a specific plan or are you helping them develop the plan? It depends. I mean, some people are like, hey, I've been doing my research around this topic for years and I'm super passionate about it too. I've been doulas, uh, do, I've been a doulas doula, you know? So sometimes right. I'm like, great, let's like build out what you're seeing. Let's, I'm here to support. Um, and then I have some people who are like, oh my goodness, you know, I didn't even plan to be pregnant. I don't even know, like, I know kind of where the baby comes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but And then we start from the beginning. And I love, I love working in that capacity because I think it's so fun to, to do that. Like we talked about the sex ed for yeah. later, right? Or the, and, and so it's, doesn't matter. Meet people so where they're at. You don't make recommendations until you like, okay, I'm, I'm pregnant. And I come to you and I'm like, what if I was? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, like, what do, what do I do? You know, and, and then is your job, you're going to educate me on my options. Yeah. So I'm never there to say like what you should do. Right. I'm like, everybody's so different. And that's right. the beauty of birth, life and this process. And so I really just believe everybody should have a choice. Right. right? And what they do. So my job is to be like, yeah, let's let's do our childbirth education class. I also teach a 12-week class for expecting moms on Zoom, which I started this year, which is really fun. And we cover different topics. And, you know, we, we I start providing information and asking questions. And I think through the understanding of the physiological process of birth and um, everybody's unique history, I help them find their, their best way. Mm-hmm. And then learn about all the other ways because I want them to be prepared for all of them. So what is the, like the most kind of common direction that you see women going in after you give them their options? Because I'm sure most people just think they're going to go to the hospital to have a baby. Is it normally your recommendation to try the home birth first? Like how do you kind of, do you not have an agenda when it comes to that at all? No, I mean, I feel, look, we all have our own biases. I'm not Mm going to say that I don't. I have my ways of how I want to give birth, right? But no, I mean, I... For many, for a, a couple of years, I was doing, I'd say, like 90% hospital birth. So mm-hmm. I think, um, and I don't believe that home births for everyone, right? And and certainly not on, you know, in terms of like some people risk out of home birth, but also some people don't feel safe at home. And so that's not a great place. Some people do want an epidural, so it's not a great place. For right. Them. But so, yeah, I mean, I, I've never come into like, this is what you should do, or this is the best place, place to birth. Mm-hmm. But if 
my client is uh, does feel strongly about birthing in a hospital, but also wants to minimize intervention or reduce chances of cesarean yeah. or, you know, has maybe read about some benefits of skin to skin or breastfeeding or, you know, certain things. And I'm like, great, let's talk about how we can have that in a hospital setting right. and have an epidural if you right. want. You know, like you can, it's all, it's your shop in there and you get to choose what you want. Or <laughs> It's a weird analogy, but you know, like it's <laughs> like you pick and you right. get to pick the best of what the tools we have. And then, so yeah, that, that kind of answers your question. I really just depends on, there's certain things where I'm like, yeah, like let's really talk about breastfeeding and why that is going to really benefit you and your baby. Mm-hmm. And, and of course it's your choice at the end of the day, but certain things I talk about that. But when it comes to where to birth or how to birth, I just, I think just information. Right. And then make your, choose your own adventure basically. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people, when they do learn about the benefits of some of the things that doulas bring to the table, not only does it sound nice, but I think it makes sense and it becomes something that they then want for themselves. Right. But there's so many choices and I think the, the options are so vast. Mm -hmm. So everybody, and so beautiful how differently everybody interprets the information and then chooses for themselves. Right. Okay, let's talk about the real issue here, which is, and you and I can go deep for a long time on the problems in <laughs> we do, the often. medical, <laughs> the, the dominant paradigm of the sick care system as we yeah. talk about. Yeah, as we do often. But it's interesting because I think there's some corners of that huge framework of medical practice, which goes into every element of what we are as humans that are more obvious than others. And when it comes to the birthing industry, to me, and it is an industry, which is the weird thing to say, that's not obvious at first glance. So I would love to kind of expose and explore this for-profit medical system that we have from the lens of motherhood and giving birth. Because I think that it's such a shining example of so much of the problems and corruption that are just systemic. Why the fuck do we have a for-profit birthing system that doesn't make any fucking sense? Yeah. What's happening? I mean, I think it also goes back to how we perceive it as a culture. And Mm -hmm. I just don't believe that birth is fundamentally an, an emergency, right? Or They treat it like you're sick. Yeah, exactly. And so, yes, absolutely some pregnancies birth need medical attention Mm -hmm. and can be and can become emergencies absolutely so there's but those are the outliers are they not well yeah i mean i absolutely yeah statistically but i also think that there's uh, your nipples out which i love so much (laughs) i told you i wanted to change I just thought I'd share with you guys a little peek into our podcast going. Stephanie's so slowly nice. undressing herself. <laughs> Tiny just peeking She's trying to breastfeed. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Anyway. Never take yourself too seriously because you might slip a nip. <laughs> <laughs> we can cut this out. No, we won't. You. We'll keep it. <laughs> it's also the thing you're like, do you tell, you tell her or you just go? No, thank it. you for telling me. You would have not been able to. <laughs> I love you. If you were okay. trying to talk about poor profit <laughs> birthing while staring at my nipple. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my. So sorry. No, I love it. Okay. Well, anywho. Yeah. Yes, there's a time and place. Yeah. Right. And um, yes, it's it's definitely uh, a smaller percentage of, of births, I think, need that support, but we still need it. And it's amazing. And and hospital, we, we need hospital birth. Obviously, we need uh, cesarean birth, right? We need the medications that we mm-hmm. have that have been a, a tremendous benefit in many situations. Um, but does every birthing person need that? No, mm-hmm. right? We we see birth as an illness and therefore, much like how our healthcare system sees a, a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. We're not working on preventing these mm-hmm. things ahead of time. Um, and we're also not, I think, giving enough credit to the physiological process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also seeing how the medical intervention can actually do a disservice mm-hmm. um, and result in risk factors that 
or unintended. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm certainly passionate uh, about. And, you know, for example, our cesarean, which you probably learn in Business of Being Born, but the World Health Organization says that 12% is where you want to see cesarean rates, um, which is like a healthy cesarean rate for a nation, right? We, Meaning that 12% of mothers and babies will benefit right from a cesarean. Okay. Okay. We're seeing 30% to 50% in some states in the United States. No so way. that tells us that we are abusing this approach to birth mm-hmm. and therefore potentially causing harm unnecessarily. But why is it is it so this is what I, this is what I go back to with like the I'm just in this zone of life right now where I'm like follow the money, you know? Yeah. Like that's everything. Yeah. So what's the benefit for a doctor to decide if you're not like high risk, if your baby isn't breech or the cord isn't on its neck or any of these things yeah. that like which are not by the way reasons that you need to have an they're not cesarean. okay no, so, so you know. me no it's not i just saying like there's i thought those were reasons there are reasons why people absolutely have or may have been told that they have to but they're not reasons to automatically that you have to have a cesarean. what are the reasons that you have to do it there's there's different ones breach is one that's very common um i thought you could just reach your hand in and push it around uh, just give it a little they, upstream, buddy. <laughs> Flip. Yeah. There's there's like versions. There's tools for flipping and yeah. during pregnancy, and then um, with twins, there's a little more room, so they'll do that with the second baby and right. baby's breach. But yeah, I think you know breach is that tends to be the default, and that's more so because a lot of medical students are not being taught how to. Catch a breech baby. Oh, it can come out like that? Yeah, absolutely. It's just, you know, there's, it can be a little bit higher risk, but that should be up to the the mother to decide, Mm -hmm. right? But unfortunately, a lot of providers don't feel comfortable doing it. So then therefore, it's not an option. So there's very few providers in this area who will uh, assist a breech delivery. And so that's more of the issue. Okay. Breech is not the issue. It's our understanding and ability to support it. For some reason, I always thought that if the baby was breached, it meant that you, that it was going to lose oxygen because its head's mm. coming out last. Interesting. Yeah, no, they're they're getting uh, blood from the umbilical cord. So they're fine. From, I mean, from, yeah, from the As placenta. long as it's not around their neck. Yeah, I mean, neck, neck cord wraps are pretty common. They are. Yeah. And even in births that are natural. And, and, and you mean vaginal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't no, know. no, it's fine. Yeah. I just, yeah, I mean, Cord wraps happen. (laughs) (laughs) No, cord wraps, cord wraps happen. Okay, so then what are reasons that you would absolutely need a cesarean? Yeah, so sometimes in labor, if we see that baby's distressed or mom's distressed and not tolerating tolerating labor well and done some things to try and change that, that's Mm -hmm. a reason where a cesarean can come up. Sometimes, you know, there's many, many reasons. I'm going to list all of them, but like if it's, you know, preeclampsia or placenta previa, right? Some certain conditions that can be life-threatening for mom and Got baby. It. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's there's some really great reasons. And, and sometimes breach is a great reason, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on how, what kind of breach the baby is or what the mom's comfort level is with breach. And okay. um, yeah. So, but we're just seeing it done. We're seeing it done uh, because, so to answer your question, why? And I want to go back and say, I don't really think that this are like issues as a whole and when we talk around birth fall on the shoulders of doctors or like mm-hmm. it is a problem because of doctors I think I mean I love doctors I I, I think that m- most of the doctors I work with are kind of probably feel the same way in their mm-hmm. approach right it's a system problem right. it's not their issue it's of course it's I'm like, never I'm not blaming any no individual. I know you're not at all I'm just saying like it's so much and yeah at the end of the day a lot of doctors are alone making the final decision and do I believe that they have the moral obligation to give all the information and act not out of interest of liability or what the hospital policy is but in the best interest of their client absolutely is that yeah. done all the time absolutely not right um but I, I think that you know it comes down to the liability it comes down to our hospital policies, the culture around birth, the standards of care and mm-hmm. and all of that. And so I do think there's a, a fear-based culture and, and the liability of being hands-on is less than being hands-off, if that makes sense, right? And so even if the doctor, if this physiological process of birth is interrupted because of intervention, mm-hmm. it looks better on paper right. because the doctor did more. Right. Right. Than if you do nothing. 
Okay. Because then that looks like negligence. If something goes wrong. Yeah. Right. And so I do. So they're overcorrecting before something even goes wrong. Even though we know that cesarean has a greater risk for mom and baby. For bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. Certain like infection, you name it, right? Like we know that it's a surgery. Yeah. Right? Vaginal birth, of course, has risk, but it's what we've been doing for literally forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a process that we're meant to do. And um, it's, you know, hard and complications can arise. But a cesarean birth is um, a surgical birth, right? And so we're introducing uh, a, a host of, of risks from a cesarean birth that sometimes outweighs benefits, absolutely. Um, but I mean, sorry, that sometimes the benefits outweigh those risks in those certain situations. But by doing a cesarean, you are more covered, right? Like by in liability than a complication that's happening in the vaginal. Right. So that, that's just, those are just interesting. But then it's the hospital itself and like the insurance company, they, they also get paid more. That's what yeah. I was going towards. Yeah, yeah, they do. And and so they get they get paid more for a cesarean. It's a more costly event. You shouldn't be feeling afraid of your delivery from the second that you get pregnant. Yeah. It should be something that you're like getting embodied with mm-hmm. and getting excited about and feeling empowered towards. Not like yeah. who's the best doctor to rip this baby out of. Yeah. Want to thank some of today's partners who help keep this show free to everybody. Thanks so much, partners. I want to talk about public goods. They are the one-stop shop for sustainable, high-quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. They have literally everything for the home from coffee to toilet paper and shampoo to pet food. Public Goods is basically your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. So the whole idea is rather than buying from a bunch of single product brands, Public Goods members can buy all of their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful streamlined aesthetic. You know we love that. Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products. I am a huge fan of this discovery. I think my favorite department that they offer is their cleaning supplies. They're wonderful quality. As I said, the packaging aesthetic is on point and I really love the prices. And they have really great uh, larger ones that you can refill, which I always look for nowadays. They ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives still common on drug and grocery store shelves. So as I mentioned, it's a membership model and they do this to keep the costs low and pass on even more savings to us customers. And best of all, you can make your first purchase with no obligation. Guys, I love public goods so, so much. And we worked out an awesome deal for our listeners, you'll get $15 off your first public goods order with zero minimum purchase. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they're just giving you guys $15 to spend. And honestly, that goes really far on this site. So if you go to publicgoods.com retrograde or use our code retrograde at checkout, that's P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S.com forward slash retrograde. You'll receive $15 off your first order. Oh, I am so excited to talk about this next partner because it has been something that has sort of changed my life, not to be dramatic, but I have never been a I can do my own nails type of person my whole life. It's just something I've I just owned. I was like, I can't do my own nails. That's not a thing for me. But that all changed with Olive and June and their Manny system, not only do they have truly the best color options on the planet, but they created this contraption, very cool little thing. It's called the Poppy. It's their patented universal polish bottle handle that honestly makes painting my nails just easier and faster and better. And it fits on any nail polish bottle. But guys, the nail polish colors that Olive and June has created, I mean, it's like They owned a salon, so they knew what everybody wanted. So they created just like all the best colors in the best formulas that honestly last at least seven days. They're so good. So you should go to the website and check it out. This kit comes with everything you need to give yourself an at-home mani. And honestly, not going to lie, I'm kind of good at it now. And I feel like I'm just getting better as I do it. I love a DIY mani. It's 
so fun. It's so fabulous. Also, their uh, nail polish remover is amazing. It just works really well. It's the kind that you stick your finger in and it it just comes off so quickly. I don't know. These are things that to me, they put like the best of the best into this system and we're offering you 20% off. So your new nail life is here. Get 20% off your first Manny system when you use our promo code retrograde over at oliveandjune.com. That is code retrograde over at oliveandjune.com. That's O-L-I-V-E. A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com. As always, you can find all of our codes um, in the show notes, uh, in the description below, wherever you're listening to your podcast. So we're done with expensive bad mayonnaise. This is the new us, okay? Something else that I was was struck by, which I never thought about. I didn't know this. I didn't realize that a lot of times when you give birth in a more clinical setting, then you're not given your baby right away. So yeah, so that's, Something that we definitely, like I said, saw for generations was the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, modern generations was the norm. It was mm-hmm. certainly not what nature decided was the norm. Um, but now… Like 20th century and all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now we have really, really strong… Not really, really. But there's initiatives that are happening that are trying to reinforce this mother-baby bond after birth. And so skin to skin is starting to become more prioritized. And this is when a baby comes out and it immediately goes to the chest of the mother. Yeah. And like keeping baby and mom in the same room and rooming in. All things that nature brilliantly designed. Mm -hmm. But we kind of tried to get in the way of that. Yeah. So that I… The good news, I think the business of being born and… I Okay. So I laugh and you'll get a laugh at this too. But when people talk about skin to skin… Can I back up and give like a little mini childbirth ed class like on the hormones yeah okay, so do you know what oxytocin is yes okay oxytocin is the chemical you release when you have an orgasm exactly. it bonds you to people yes the yeah. love hormone yeah right it's like why we love our puppies and the feel-good love hormone yeah so the highest oxytocin, why we love people that we've slept with once exactly makes no sense. right <laughs> that is what is a, the highest oxytocin you ever have is released during labor and birth okay and so it's there to help bond you to your baby, right? It's why you fall in love with this child. And nature is so brilliant. It's like, got to make you love this little vulnerable thing yeah. that needs your love. But it also starts contraction. So the oxytocin so is what is contracting the uterus. I always say follow the oxytocin, right? If labor stops, some, there's probably fear in the space, mm-hmm. right? What is something that could get in the way of that orgasm hormone? Right. Um. So fear right not feeling safe Safe. and heard and supported and so something that doulas do and i is we we help protect that oxytocin Mm -hmm. because it's so valuable as a through line through labor Mm -hmm. so oxytocin is huge as something that brings the baby out but then immediately as the baby comes out baby goes straight to mom right onto mom's chest Velical cord is still connected and the placenta is still inside. So actually nature designed it so baby couldn't even be far. They're sep- they're still attached. attached. Yeah. So you even though baby is like one have now become two and baby is outside and in its own being, there's a cord there. Nature is like, wait, wait, okay, we've gone through this, but mm-hmm. don't go too far yet because mm-hmm. they're not ready. Mm-hmm. And so we have the baby now going skin to skin. What happens when you look into your baby's eyes? You bond. You burst into tears. So then what starts you being produced more even oxytocin. more? More oxytocin. Why would you need more oxytocin? To, to contract the uterus. So the placenta comes out. Exactly. Right. And to stop bleeding after birth. Wow. And then what else is oxytocin? Now I'm getting… Yeah, I love, like, I, I love this quiz. I love this. So oxytocin is also the ejection… Like re, re, the ejection the reflex. Exactly. So things that you eject come. out of us. What else ejects out of us? Milk. Milk. Hey. Out of your breast. Yes. So oxytocin is making your, telling your breast, baby's here. Oxytocin. Eject this milk out. Yeah. Or colostrum in the beginning. So the skin to skin bond is not just, it, it. there's so many physiological benefits right. to having your baby on your chest. Mm-hmm. And I always laugh because it's like research shows and you're like, how much time and money did you spend on that research? Because right. I could have told you, like, it is, yes, I think it's cool when we like confirm things with research and stuff. But, but you're like, like, when the CIA says like manifesting is real, it's like, no shit. You're like, just like, <laughs> the baby wants to be with the mom and the mom wants to be with the baby. Yeah. And like, the, the, 
you had to do research yeah. to know that that was. Well, you well, don't need like peer reviewed studies. Yeah, to like know that. how much? Like wow. Okay, here yeah. we are. Like, and that's those are kind of the things that make me laugh sometimes because they're just like we've gone so far away that like we have to have research to support initiatives in the hospital of not taking a mom and a baby away right. from each other. Right. Um, they've been together for nine months. Yeah. So. And they're going to be together for the rest of their lives. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, there'll be a healthy, you know, separation that happens at a certain point yeah. in their life. But and being on a mom's chest helps regulate um, baby's breathing, mm-hmm. their temperature, right? There's so many benefits. Yeah. It's like they were in their, there for nine months yeah. and then all of a sudden you're just going to be like, and now you go over here and it's like, ah, what the fuck? Where exactly. am I? Exactly. And I think for, for mom too. So we do. But that's s- interesting that like the whole experience makes the rest of the process happen because what, what I'm hearing and what it's something that I'd never thought about is like, it's the separation that we think of in the process. Right. So it's like, we think baby cut done. But it's like, that's just it's the not over, beginning. right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And in the beginning of a breastfeeding journey, yeah. the beginning of a parenting journey of, you know, baby's brain development. Mm-hmm. And there's so much in that. And so I think it's really cool and exciting to see that there's like research supporting this thing and yeah. like delayed cord clamping and all of that. Um, What's that? Delayed cord clamping is so when we kind of past, you know, 100 years, cut the cord really quick, right. clamp it. Um, there'd be blood still flowing through from the placenta. Um, clamp it quick, cut it, separate mom and baby, right? You can't separate mom and baby without doing that. So right. take baby to the nursery um, or the warmer or whatever, that's what you would have to do. Now we're learning that there's actually benefit from letting that placenta pump um, through the cord, cord blood into the baby. And so they're getting wow. iron. We're seeing in IQ improvement. Um, it's also their second, like, I, breathe, learning to breathe is a big deal. It's a transition, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Taking your first breath. I do also think that, you know, nature created this kind of safety net of right. giving you oxygen and what you need through the cord and through the placenta. Um, so at a home birth, the midwife, you know, the last thing she would do is cut the cord because if the baby's having any difficulty breathing or mm-hmm. needing any support in that way, she knows that that placenta is going to help give the baby what it needs as they transition. Wow. Um, How long can they keep them attached for? So it depends. Delayed cord claiming the definition of it is very different kind of who you ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I always encourage my clients to be very specific with their request of what that means. For some, it's 30 seconds. For some, it's a minute. Um, usually in my experience at home, they will wait until the placenta births on its own. How long does that take? It can take a minute. It can take up to, I've seen like an hour wait. Wow. Um, and then you can cut the cord from the placenta there. Or you can just wait until the cord stops pulsing completely, mm-hmm. which is different for everyone. Um, and then cut it when you know that the blood has gone all the way. I can't believe you witnessed this all the time. Like seeing your photos and watching that movie and knowing you, (laughs) it's like, whoa, like it's just such an intense, it's the realest experience you can possibly have. Yeah. It's It's so real. So real. And so so it's just so graphic. And like for me, even watching the documentary, I'm like, oh, like these aliens like pop out of our body like it's amazing it but that's the thing it's like it just doesn't happen in it's magic yeah like as much as like we know the process we know this we're like something else is going it's truly magic Mm -hmm. like a human comes out of you it's just so crazy and it's like can now like live and breathe in this world it's amazing it doesn't make any sense so in your perfect world of how this would change what what would you see being like the, I know that little things are happening. Like you're saying, like more midwives and hospitals and yeah. the conversation around not cutting the cord and everything that you've been saying, those are steps in the right direction. But what would be like a paradigm shifting thing in your view? Mm. That could be like the ripple effect that would completely change the game. That's such a big question. Yeah, There's no, I know. So I many things. You, but- I think that knowledge is power. I think it's exciting that so many parents are super excited to learn about their choices. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they're the consumer, right? And so they have to demand what they want. And that's going to help change the culture Mm -hmm. and continuing to speak up for that in those settings. And I think that's really big. I love the idea of 
midwives being everywhere and anywhere and having mm-hmm. that access to that. But I think we also have to be very careful not to overregulate and medicalize mm-hmm. the midwifery profession because mm-hmm. I think it will just become the other thing. Yeah. Shifting what support looks like. Wow. I feel like this is like much larger conversation than I imagined that it would be. Um, I was like, I'll watch the business of being born and then we'll just like talk about it. Are you glad I made you watch it before I talk though? Yes. I'm so happy that documentary changed my perspective. And even just knowing you changed my perspective because I never really thought about it all that much. Like it's the kind of thing that you think you'll think about when you get there. But in reality, you kind of have to be thinking about it just the whole time if you're a person who could give birth because once you get there, the acute reality is going to override your ability to be logical because you're going to go into like more of a survival mode. And I think really understanding and getting empowered all the way through your life is really important. And and that's the thing, like birth is just one example and we can use this in every area. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to become an expert on birth, you know, years before someone wants to give birth or even when you're pregnant. But knowing that it's up to you to do the research and and standard of care or the way things that are practiced is not always Mm evidence-based, right? And so we're we're learning more, but it takes time for evidence to come into practice. And at the end of the day, we're our own best advocates Mm -hmm. and we know what's best for ourselves and our children. Wow. Well, Carson, thank you so much for coming to my house. Do you feel like this was a good time? I do. I love you. I could talk to you forever. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I want to talk about everything, but we're here on one topic and we'll get back to the other topics in 2022. People can find you at your Instagram and CC Meyer. Yes. And Carson dash Meyer.com is my doula website mm-hmm. and see in the moon.com for Great. the scrub. If anyone out there is seeking a doula <laughs> consultation or a body scrub, <laughs> hit up Carson. Yeah. Or classes. Yeah. Anywhere in the world. There's some things we retrograde.